Our reading for this evening's service is from Matthew chapter 26. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death, remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to his disciples and he found them sleeping. And Jesus said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and he prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, Jesus came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and he prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. And then Jesus came to his disciples and he said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this evening's message is from John chapter 16, verse 32 but I'm also going to read you a portion of verse 31. You believe at last, Jesus exclaimed, but a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and you will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone, for the Father is with me. This is our text. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, God has a peculiar sense of humor. One of my personal struggles these past four years, especially these past four years, has been dealing with loneliness. The life of a mission exec and a district president is quite isolating. Just the nature of the geography of the provinces of Alberta and British Columbia, the two provinces where I served, just by the sheer geography of it, I was on the road regularly, literally navigating windy, mountainous terrains, driving through prairie farmland or being stuck in urban rush hour traffic. I spent hours waiting in airports for my next flight living in hotels, eating at restaurants by myself as I watch families and gather around and have a family time together around a meal. I found myself surrounded by hordes of people, but each rushing here and there and everywhere, going their separate ways, living isolated lives. Because I was on the road so much, I wasn't at my home church very much. And the joke was, when I was there, that I was a delinquent member 
And truth be told, I was delinquent. I mean, I was rarely in Sunday morning worship. I hardly ever communed at my home church. I was not in Bible study. And I didn't attend many meetings. I knew the members and they knew me and we would have nice conversations together. But really, the relationships I had with them were quite shallow. I was even a stranger in my own city. It took me many years to feel at home in Edmonton. I would go out in the car and get lost, not finding my way back home without my GPS. And I'm usually pretty good with directions. In fact, I knew other cities in Alberta and British Columbia better than I knew my own. And Sandra's life and my life were really on two different tracks. She did her thing as a teacher and as an active member of Concordia Lutheran Church, and I did my thing as a district president and mission exec and traveled all over the place. Our extended family was far and wide. Our kids scattered all across Canada and parts of the United States. Our extended family were in Florida or Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. And then there was the relational distance that I as a district president had with the other church workers. I couldn't get too close to them because I was their spiritual supervisor. There was polarization within our district and synod because of crisis and conflict. And there was death of all sorts in the last four, five, six years of, of my life. My dad died. Sandra's dad died. My sister-in-law died of cancer. Two of our friends died of Lou Gehrig's disease. And then there was having to release some of my colleagues and friends from work in the district office because we were restructuring ourselves and saying goodbye to good workers of the Lord. When the call committee at St. James interviewed me, someone asked the question, I don't know who it was, but someone on that end of the line on the phone said, why would a district president and one with a myriad of experience and education and expertise want to serve in a congregation like St. James? And my answer was simple and right to the point. I crave community. I long to be in family. There's something wholesome and healthy, even intrinsic to being human, to living in relationship with other people, to living together, to walking together, to suffering together, to grieving together, to rejoicing together, to, to worshiping together. As God observed right in the beginning days of creation, he said, it is not good for a man or woman to be alone. And I found that out. And I no longer wanted to be alone. I was tired of experiencing loneliness. And so it is kind of ironic. It's really quite ironic that this theme, this text, would basically be the first sermon that I would preach in this church. You see, I realize that I'm not the only one who experiences the oppression of loneliness. In fact, our age has been called the age of loneliness. One in five Americans, 
about one in four Canadians, and I will throw Canadian references in from time to time, suffer from persistent loneliness, as it's called. Even though we are now supposedly more connected than ever before. It seems the more connected we get on social media, the less connected we really are to people in meaningful relationships. Now, loneliness is not the same as solitude. We need to be by ourselves. We need to go out into a bush or wherever it might be, out onto a boat on a lake and fish so that we can think and reflect, so we can have times to exercise or to pray, to meditate on Scripture. But persistent loneliness, including social isolation, is not healthy. Loneliness is said to contribute to cognitive decline, depression, anxiety, substance abuse, among other emotional, physical, and spiritual problems. Social isolation and feelings of loneliness increases a person's chance of premature death by 14%, nearly double the risk of death from obesity. Is it any wonder, then, that the American poet Emily Dickinson described loneliness as the horror not to be surveyed. Loneliness can be a quiet devastation. And yet the theme of tonight's message is don't be afraid to be alone. Loneliness and social isolation were experienced firsthand by Jesus. As we turn to our sermon text, it's, it's Thursday evening. The hour is at hand. The messianic time of salvation has dawned upon human creation. Jesus' death is imminent. And up until now, Jesus has been speaking in riddles. He's been using parables and metaphors and similes, and his disciples are finding it very hard to understand what he's been saying. But on this evening, on this Thursday evening, Jesus speaks plainly to his disciples about his relationship to the Father. And the disciples finally get it. They must have been so proud of themselves to finally understand what it was that Jesus was saying to the point that they said, now we can see that you know all things. This makes us believe that you came from God. But oh, how Jesus' next statement must have felt like a punch in the gut to them. For Jesus predicts that they will abandon him. In his hour of need, each disciple looking out for his own interest will reject Christ. They will scatter out into the, into the darkness of night and Jesus will be left all alone. One disciple will betray Jesus and so despair that he'll commit suicide. Another, who was to be the rock, will deny Jesus three times and will need a special intervention and visit from Jesus to restore him by the forgiveness that Jesus extends to him. And all the other disciples will have to deal with their own guilt and shame for having abandoned the Lord in his time of need. Interestingly, Jesus doesn't chide his disciples for scattering or abandoning him. He doesn't you know, shake his finger at them. He doesn't say, oh, shame on you that you're going to abandon me when I'm going to be arrested by the, by the, by the guard. 
Instead, Jesus assures them that he won't be alone. The Father will be with him. You will leave me alone, he says. Yet I'm not alone, for my Father is with me. Now ponder this. God's own beloved Son would be alone. Mocked by his enemies, spurned by fellow Jews, abandoned by most of his family and friends, and yes, even forsaken by the one who he thought would stand by his side through thick and thin, his own father. Jesus would cry out in bewilderment, My God, my God, why in the world have you, why have you forsaken me? And why would the Son of God submit to such humiliation, to such isolation, to such loneliness? Well, Isaiah the prophet says, he, Jesus, was despised and he was rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows and he was familiar with all kinds of suffering. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our infirmities and he bore our sorrows, and yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was laid upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sin of us all. You see, Jesus experienced the loneliness of the cross. He was willing to be rejected even by his Father out of his love for you and me. He endured being rejected and forsaken by his Father so that you and I might never be, ever, ever be, forsaken by our Heavenly Father. And so to his disciples who would, who, he would, who would reject him, Jesus promised that in his love he would once again come and visit with them and see them and lead them. He promised them that he would be with them right to the very end of their lives. He promised that he would pursue them if they were ever going to be wandering away from him. He promised that not even death itself would ever separate them from his love that nothing could ever make him stop loving them, even though they had abandoned him in his time of need. My friends, are you experiencing loneliness? Are you craving a meaningful relationship? you maybe feel a little bit like a social outcast. You don't quite fit in. Are you one who dreads the silence of the evening night because you're so alone? You feel so alone in the quiet of your home. Are you tired of calling out to the Lord and hoping that he'll respond and yet all you hear is crickets? The silence of God is deafening to your prayers. 
Are you oppressed by the loneliness that comes from the guilt and shame of knowing that you've betrayed Christ by your thoughts, words, and deeds? Do you feel as though God is so distant from you? Do you feel like you're walking through life all alone? Maybe even a little overwhelmed by depression or anxiety? I assure you, you need not be afraid to be alone. For what was true of Jesus in his hour of loneliness is true for you. It's true for me. Yes, I'm alone, yet I'm not alone. For my Father is with me. You know, take these words, these promises and truths from God's word to heart. Listen. God says to you and to me, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you my name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. I am your Savior. And listen to these words from the psalmist. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence, O God? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. You see, even though you may feel as though you're alone, you're never alone because your Father is with you. Now, we are maybe sometimes our own worst enemies, aren't we? I mean, maybe we are guilty of isolating ourselves from others. I certainly know I did things that contributed to my loneliness and to my isolation from, from other people. I didn't always work very hard on relationships. I didn't always remain committed to my promise that I would at least one Sunday a month be at my home congregation. Sometimes we don't also commit into our head the promises of God. And when we're sensing, a, when, we're, when we're overcome with loneliness, we, we forget these promises that God has made in His Word to us, like the words I shared from, with you from Isaiah, where He is with us through thick and thin. We forget the words of the psalmist where, that reminds us no matter where we go, God is already there. And we forget it because we've never really put these words of God into our mind and into our heart. And so my encouragement to you is, is to do just that, to, to take steps to overcome your loneliness, to, to seek out relationships and friendships, to, to become engaged in the lives of others, to give of yourself to others, because as you give of yourself to others, then you'll find that God will make your life more meaningful for you. And I encourage you to study and learn the Scriptures of God, to place them into your head and into your heart, so that when you are overwhelmed by a sense of loneliness, you can remember the Lord's promises that even though you're alone, you're not alone, because your Heavenly Father is with you. And when you look around and you see people in the congregation, or maybe in your home, at your workplace, at your school, wherever it is that you might be, 
and you see people who are, who are maybe struggling with loneliness, who maybe are the social outcasts, who are going through some trouble and trial and tribulation in their life, then please take the initiative to reach out to them. Because sometimes Jesus sends us to be the answer to their prayer. And it's through us that they can truly see that they're not, that they're not alone. And take with you words of Scripture, words of promise, so that they too know that in God, they're not alone. Our loneliness is real. And at times it can be downright oppressive and overwhelming. But we need not be, we need not fear being alone. For with Christ as our Savior and God as our Father, we can be assured, yes, assured, that I'm not alone. I'm not alone. For my Father and my Savior are always with me. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.